Welcome in listeners to another wonderful episode of Whisper in the Wings from Stage Whisper. We have some amazing guests joining us today, some friends of the show with some exciting news as well. We have the current Managing Artistic Director, Erez Ziv from Frigid, New York, as well as new co-artistic directors, Martha Lorena Preve and Jimmy Lovett. Everyone, welcome in to Whisper in the Wings from Stage Whisper. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for having us. Yeah. Erez, Martha, it's so good to have you back on our show. Jimmy, it's amazing to have you here. I cannot wait to dive in to this exciting news, this bittersweet news, but but this this really this this well this huge news. It, it came across our email, and I really I I stopped. It was incredible. So I'm going to start with Ares with this. Why don't you tell us about this announcement? There is it, for me nothing better about this announcement at all. <laughs> it's all sweet. It's been you know I've been the managing artistic director of Frigid for I think seven or eight years. But before that, there were other uh, artistic directors here. Uh, and so there's nothing we're doing that's radically different from what's been. It's just, um, you know, a, a little change of flavor. Hopefully, Jimmy and Martha will be out there more than me looking for even newer, fresher work to bring to our stages. So it's all very, very exciting. Yes. And of course, I mean, this is a huge changing of the guard. Uh, uh, you've been there for if i read right 10 years right the managing artistic director for so 10 i've years. been i've been the managing director for this is our the 25th season 25th season right but there have been other artistic directors i i was only the fourth artistic director there were a few before me as i was managing director and then eventually i i was the last man standing <laughs> <laughs> you got left holding the bag you're like that's, that's it and i've been holding and it's been wonderful but i think it's time for you know fresher voices for younger people to pick it up and do the running that i'm getting a little too tired to do <laughs> and also you're not leaving right I'm we're all leaving. working I'm, yeah we're working right. together it's right. not it's not goodbye yet um yeah yeah i'm not i have no plans to to run out anytime soon just like put a few other people in front and and get the back end ready for when i am leaving but not soon I was going to say, that was, I think, the best part about reading it. At first, I saw it, and I thought you were leaving, but it just said, like, you were stepping aside, and, and it was almost like you're like, I'm out of the pilot seat. I'm in the co-pilot seat. I want to make sure things are going in the right direction, but I'm going to fade into the back <laughs> next few years. And <laughs> slowly, slowly fade. But I like I, to not. think I still have good advice to give for a couple more years. <laughs> oh, yes. Please don't leave us to fly this plane alone. <laughs> not ready. <laughs> Of course, that means there are shoes to fill with the new managing artistic director. And it's not one, but two people that are sharing that role. And that's where we bring in our other two guests, Martha Lorene Preve, Preve, excuse me, and Jimmy Lovett. So what does this change up mean for the future of Frigid NYC? And Martha, why don't I start with you? Well, I think the, the main thing is that we are continue to build on Frigid because Frigid has been doing such amazing work for, for indie artists. And to me, what this change means is that Eris has been holding the fort by himself 
and he has the vision to know that with a team, Frigid can do more and reach various people, you know, more diverse people. And, and I think that's the beauty of it is that we get to build this future together. So it means to continue to build. And I mean, I've been part of what Frigid does for indie artists. So it's great to be a part now on the other side of Frigid and to keep growing and help even more people and reach out even more, more communities. Yeah. And just a side note, I would say uh, for our listeners, you may recognize, remember, Martha was involved with the Day of the Dead Festival. I hope I've got that right. Back in October at Frigid NYC, the created under St. Mark's. So yeah, you've got some long history there. Now, now, Jimmy, I want to bring you in this conversation as the, also the new co-artistic director. I want to ask the same question. What does this change up mean for the future of Frigid NYC to you? I mean, I think I'm on on a very similar page to Martha. You know, we've got between the three of us, we now have significantly more hands and cumulatively more time to really get back to our the parts of our community that have strayed over over the pandemic to find and bring in new people, both like artists and audience. You know, between the three of us, we have a really nice, like, diverse set of communities that we can both highlight and also bring together to create like a more unique whole for our, our stable of artists and for our audiences. Nice. Now I want to keep with the two of you just real quick. And I want to ask what previous experience are you bringing to the table with this organization? And Jimmy, is it okay if I start with you on that? Yeah, totally. So a lot of the experience I'm bringing is sort of, I'm pulling it up the ladder with me. I started at Frigid, I think, 2018 with the Frigid Fringe Festival. So from box office up, I've done a lot of the like on the ground stuff, not tech, don't do tech. (laughs) Um, That's so beyond me. But yeah, so I have like a really good working knowledge of the various systems that we use for like ticketing for the website, the changes that we've gone through with that. I last year, I guess I took over fully curating the Queerly Festival for Frigid in June. So I have gotten my feet wet with with curation and programming. And I guess beyond that, the, I don't know, a Southern eye. <laughs> I grew up in the South. I love that. Uh, I don't know. I think it's, it so far has been really helpful for me to have a wide view of how like operations at Frigid have functioned over the last however many years. Martha, how about you? Well, I was thinking about this question, Andrew. <laughs> and I think I've I've been working for many years as a stage manager. And I think that that's helped me learn to be organized, the importance of time management. And I've been also running uh, something from abroad, the, our theater company that um, curated the, the Days of the Dead with me. And I think that that has made me really look at the perspective of an artist or an indie artist trying to make theater in New York and how Frigid has helped us with that. So I think that I bring that part of my life with me, like the part of like an immigrant that moved and had no idea and who Frigid um, extended a hand to. Uh, And so now I kind of know the importance of the indie artists for Frigid and to help them. And definitely... um, I think organization skills that sometimes keep me like, okay, let's go. Okay, what's next? It's definitely 
definitely needed in in the theater arts. I feel like we're very creative in the theater arts, but sometimes <laughs> a little bit of structure to to keep us on task. <laughs> Absolutely. I want to ask you all now, what things are you most excited about for Frigid, either now or to come? And I actually want to bring Eras back into this because, as we mentioned, Eras, you're you're not going anywhere. You're I mean, you're just kind of taking one step to the right. So with these two amazing people coming on board, what are you most excited for Fridge in New York, either now or to come? I'm very excited to have someone to share the burden with me. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's a lot of work, really. Uh, programming a venue in New York City is a lot of work. Programming two venues that are a couple of blocks away from each other is that much more work just in terms of meeting all the performers, you know, one of the wonderful things that's happened for Frigid is, you know, we've had these two theaters and we sit here in the theaters and artists come to us all the time. Uh, and I've had time in my life to be there in the evenings and and see all the shows and and ask the ones that are, that, that work well with us to, to stay, to come back. But I have kids now. I, I'd like to spend some evenings at home. It, it, it'll be nice that it's not just me having to be there seven nights a week in two theaters. There's people to share that and to pick out the the shows we want to keep, the artists we want to keep with, and invite them. Yes. And I mean, I, I will tip my hat because Frigid, I feel like, is a year-round thing. Uh, as we spoke way back, I feel like, in, in either August or September, there's festivals year round. You guys have so many festivals. It's incredible. <laughs> and I love it. There's something for everyone. You know, you just turn the, the page on another month and it's like, oh yeah, and here's another festival. If you don't like this, well, turn the page. There's another one. The stuff that you've, <laughs> you, you all have created is incredible. So I think you deserve a few nights home. <laughs> <laughs> My wife agrees with you. <laughs> Jimmy, what about you? What uh, are you excited about? I mean, in the short term, like you mentioned, we have a thousand festivals. So we're looking down. Frigid Fringe is the next big one. You talked to, you said seven of those folks, I think. 14 total. It's going to be 14 total. Oh my God. That's like, that's more than half the festival. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So we're, we're coming in on that 25 shows. It's going to be great. Very excited. The, The last, last year we were back in person, but we weren't really able to do as much of the sort of community building event hanging out kind of stuff that really makes that festival what it is and so I'm very excited to be able to really like spend time with the artists get to know them and really just like be in that community for those weeks longer term I'm really excited about you know bringing in new artists to our space reinvigorating some of our longer standing community members who may have sort of wandered off when everything shut down and of course working with these two absolutely fantastic folks (laughs) Martha, what are you uh, excited about, uh, either now or to come for Frigid? Well, right now, uh, the Fire This Time Festival is happening. And I saw this. I saw the the, the performance they have with a 10-minute place. And they are fantastic. I have not seen such good good theater in a while. That it, it, Especially in like a, short, a short play festival, they were all good. They're all so good. I'm not sure when this episode is going to air, but if it, the fire design is still happening, maybe it won't. But it, I mean, it's a yearly thing. So definitely check it out. 
And I was just so mind blown by it. So I, I was really excited for it. And to come, as we said, it, there's a festival after another. We have Estra Genius. We have Queerly. Oh, uh, we're doing a, I think I talked about it last time I was here. We're doing a Hamlet in Spanish as a telenovela. Yes, yes, yes. So I'm so excited for that because uh, we got a grant. So I'm super excited for that one. And just this whole season is going to be amazing. Yeah. And shout out to Caesar Williams with the the Fire This Time Festival. I I can't wait to see it Sunday. And I it sounds amazing. The 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 people that are involved, the playwrights, everyone just oh amazing. It really is. The plays are out of control this year. Yeah. It really is the <laughs> best year we've had. It's incredible. What a way to start 2023. Yay. What changes would you like to see made in theater in general? And Jimmy, I want to start with you on that one. I would I would love to see, you know, continued and broadening diversity in the community, especially in our leadership positions, because I mean, the theater industry is it's an industry and we know how those tend to go in in America. And we were talking a little bit about this earlier today, but just seeing indie theater getting respect in general and rather than because a lot of other like, oh, you, you you made an indie film and that's like it must be like high art. But if you're like, oh, I work in indie theater, people are like, oh, so it's gross and you don't have any money. And you're like, I mean, sometimes yes, but also we're doing art. Right? Uh, Martha, how about you? What changes do you hope will like be made in the theater? Do you want to be made in the theater? Well, continuing with uh, Jim, what Jimmy was saying, I would like, and I, I can't find an, a better way to put it, but like, I would love for indie theater to be the thing you come to New York for just as Broadway is now like you you say New York oh what Broadway shows did you see and did you see this and did you see that and how about it was like oh you were in New York what indie shows did you see have you been to the Lower East Side have you been to the Crane did you go to Anderson Marks isn't it so cool so I would love it to be a touristy experience that that it would have fame and I don't mean it in like a in the, like a capitalist way, but in, I mean in like a destination, like this is what I want to do when I'm in New York kind of way. So I would love for indie theater to have that reputation that it should of this is the thing I want to see in New York City. How cool. Yeah. Erez, what about you? What changes would you like to see in the theater? You know, a lot of the changes that I want to see are slowly happening. I'd like to see a change in the general funding structure of of theater. Uh, there's a lot of companies begging for money from friends and family, but there should be more institutional support, more government support uh, for for the arts in in general and and for theater. That would be amazing. Other countries can handle doing it. I think you know we have a lot to benefit from it, especially here in New York, uh, where it is such a big part of the economy. Um, I'd like to see indie theater start to get more of the fun, a bigger share of the funding, which has been happening. Like the the large uh, arts institutions in the city have not been getting less money, but they've been getting proportionately less money. And smaller institutions have finally started getting a little bit more of a share. And it's been a dramatic improvement for our industry. And hopefully that continues to to expand Yes. Yes to all of that. I want to start with you, Martha, on this one. What changes do you hope to bring now to Frigid NYC? 
The main thing I really would like to focus on is relationships, building relationships with our community in the Lower East Side, in our neighborhood. I, we have, we have a lot of connection to, to as you know, they've been there for years. We've been there for years, but I would, I want to know everyone in the neighborhood. I want to know who lives around there. I want them to want to come to our show. I want us to be their local just like your local bar, I want us to be their local, their local theater, and I would love to know, especially since uh, the our life structure changed after the pandemic, right? So you don't go to the office, depending on your job. People that go used to go to the office, they don't go to the office anymore. So you don't get out of your house as much, right? You go straight from your chair to the couch to your bed. So. I would like to connect hyperlocally. Who are these who are these people that are our neighbors? What do they like? How can we how can we engage them, know their names, you know, that they feel that Frigid is their home and they are they're our audience and they know us and they know what shows we got going on. And for them to feel like, oh, this place is great and so and so works there and I'm always feeling so welcome. I, I would love that. Which we already have a lot of that. I just want to expand on that. Jimmy, what about you? What changes would you like to to make or see done at Frigid? I mean, I would love it if the leaking in the theater stopped, but that might be in God's hands at this point. Um, (laughs) For things we actually can control, I would love to bring theater back into our theater, as sort of odd as that sounds, you know, with lockdown and everything shows that involve putting more than one person in a room like a lot of people traveling things of that nature have really kind of faded away so we have a lot of like one person and stand-up and storytelling which like is all great I am so here for it but I also would love to like bring in you know new plays that kind of work back to our spaces rounding it out eras again I want to reiterate you are not going anywhere no. What changes do you want to see made at Frigid? You know, I have to say, I've been we've been having a lot of fun playing with with streaming uh, as this pandemic has has not really gone away, uh, and inviting audiences into our theater that that before had not been able to come in, whether because of disabilities or distance or finances or whatever. So having this option to now reach out to people rather than just wait for the people that can to come to us uh, has been has been great and and it's an audience that's been steady you know as our general audiences are growing so is our online audience growing proportionally Uh, also i want to do a little bit more focus this year on touring shows we've always done a little bit of that uh, but you know the the quiet of the pandemic has allowed us to invest a little bit more in in trying to get the shows that that do well in our spaces and and can handle it out on the road to to bring them to new audiences that aren't able to come to us. You know, we started streaming in in April of 2020, like right away. And while we were streaming things from a dead theater, and it was very poorly attended. Uh, but as soon as we started streaming the actual live shows happening in the space in real time, that changed the ball game. You know, there there were weeks early on where we were selling 
30% of our tickets to people who weren't there. Uh, now we're settling in at about 15 and hopefully growing from there. Uh, it's it's very exciting. And it's people that, that just can't come see us otherwise, you know, or or on a rainy day, suddenly everybody's calling to change their tickets to yep. a streaming ticket. But otherwise, they just wouldn't come. You know, rainy days, 20, 30 percent of your reservations don't show up. You know, now they just show up differently. Yeah. Yeah. You know, we're fielding or at least I've been fielding, you know, emails of people being like, hey, I'm sick. I don't think it's COVID, but like, I don't want to run the risk. So I don't think I can come. And I'm like, oh, no, I hope you feel better. But here's a streaming link you can still join us or like I've, you know, helped people's families who are out of state, like figure out how to use our streaming system. And it's been, I've gotten some like really charming emails from like people's moms. Who's like this one woman who's like, I've never gotten to see my daughter in an improv show before. And like, now I'm finally getting to see this. And I'm like, that's such like, I, I sometimes logistically, streaming troubles me because it's <laughs> i'm not great at that kind of technology but um the people that were able to reach for it i think more than more than make up for the the occasional headaches oh absolutely it's it's come in handy for me on more than one occasion i want to ask my last question in this first part and typically it, it ties into when we when I'm talking to someone about a show, but I'm really interested to know, you know, I, I don't know that maybe there's a new direction with this organization, but new co-leadership. What is the message or idea that you're hoping audiences will take away when they come to Frigid? And I would like to start with Martha on that, if I could. So little story here. When I came to Frigid for the first time, I came to the under St. Mark's. And I didn't know that there wasn't an office there. So I was hoping to show up and knock at the door. <laughs> and I, so I called the phone and Eris on the other side of the line said, I'll be right there. And he showed me the space and I was like, hey, I wrote a script with my friends and we have no idea what we're doing. And Eris said, don't worry. We know what we're doing. We have people that know what we're doing and we'll help you put this show together. And I remember in my gut, we had other options. And I remember in my gut, I was just like, I'm just going to go with the nice guy, <laughs> you know? <laughs> like immediately the first thing was, don't worry if you don't know what you're doing. We, we, we know and we can help you do it. And I would love for people, for artists that come to Frigid to feel that, to feel there's some hope for indie theater makers. There is good people out there that are trying to help indie theater happen, that are trying to help whatever your situation budget show. Frigid has always been that. And I hope that that's what they get. And for audiences, as I mentioned earlier, I would love it for them to feel like the local place to go. Like they know the people, like it feels like home, like it's fun, whatever the show, whatever the festival, they like to go, they grab a drink. And they keep coming back. So I would like it to feel as family and I would like it to feel as home. Jimmy, what about you? I mean, I think I think in a very similar vein, I would love for people to be able to like, you know, leave our spaces thinking like, this is a place for me. Whether if that's like, you know, there's going to be something else on next week that I might be interested in in watching. Or if that's like, you know, I've written a bunch of scripts and done them everywhere, but I feel like, you know, this is a place that, you know, that weird project in my desk could find a home here. Or if it's like, 
wow, I've never been to a storytelling show before. And now I'm realizing like, I want to try it. Like, you know, step right up. We're here for, for whatever you want to do. That's not, you know, violating the fire codes and spraying glitter everywhere. <laughs> no glitter. Never. No glitter. <laughs> that mistake was made many, many years ago and you can still tell. Um, <laughs> but yeah, that there's like, I feel like, you know, saying like, oh, there's something for everyone. is like a little trite because, you know, there's not, maybe there's not really, you're not going to like come produce Dream Girls or a chorus. It'd be a very odd production of chorus line you do in our space. But that even if everything we do isn't for everybody, that you can like find something that you're into or bring something that you're into and find other people who are into it. I love that. Finally, Eras, what about you? What's the message or thought you hope audiences will will leave with from Frigid? As it relates specifically to, to, to this occasion, I want people to know that change is healthy, change is good, change is good for growth, and we should all experience more of it in our lifetime. And in terms of audiences that are coming into the theater, I want them to see that there are other stories, other options, other ways to entertain yourself than just the the big giant shows uh, happening in town. There, you know, the indie theater has so much for so many people, and and specifically so many voices that you just don't hear on Broadway. You don't see them, you don't hear them. They're not there, uh, but they're here. And ultimately, everything that is here ends up there if it's good uh, eventually so I, I want people to come and see the, the work of tomorrow and and know that they're seeing stuff that that, that will stand the test of time and and they they can say they saw it when <laughs> shift gears now and i want to let the listeners get to know all of you a little bit better i mean not that they haven't already i want to start by asking how did you all get into the performing arts and jimmy if i could start with you on this one so in my notes for this i have literally written baby i was born this way um <laughs> the the first performing arts story of of in the life of me would be my my dad used to build build sets for a, a school I ended up going to back home and we had this like amphitheater style auditorium where like the seats come up and the stages at the bottom and so he put me down at the bottom being like you know where's the kid gonna go and goes to like paint a flat or whatever and turns around and I have suddenly developed the ability to go up the stairs and I am attempting to escape the auditorium <laughs> But I was too small to open the door, so I was not lost. But yeah, I mean, my all my parents have been involved in performing arts in one way or another. Uh, my mom did a lot of tech in college. My dad has done tech, has done acting, done playwriting. My stepmom has done directing and playwriting, or not playwriting, acting. So I feel like it was it was inevitable. If it if theater can be genetic, I would definitely prove that. I love that, Eris. How did you get into the performing arts? 
for me it was just an accident i there was nothing <laughs> in my like trajectory that said this is where i would be at almost 50 years old i uh i was driving a horse and carriage in central park with a guy who was a director and wanted to start a theater and i helped him do it and stayed for a really long time <laughs> <laughs> you did a favor for someone and then he's like i have to go take a phone call i'll be right back i have to go get some milk and then all of a sudden you're like pack a cigarette in fact yeah, i was cigarette. gonna say he went Campbell's. to buy the cigarette that's amazing never came back martha how about you i try to think i i don't think i can pinpoint a, a specific moment i was not definitely not born this way because i was <laughs> I, or at least not born a performer because I was so, so, so shy uh, until like teenage years, I think. And, but I do think that when I decided that I wanted to make it a career instead of a hobby, I joined I joined like a little course back home and home is the Yucatan. So home is very hot and very humid. And it was September. It was 100 degrees, 100% humidity. And we had, I, I had work all week as a teacher. I had a work all week. And Friday after work, I would go and take this theater course. And I was the happiest. I was the happiest. And it was hot. And, and, and there was no air circulating in the room. And I didn't care and if I was tired. Or, I just realized this is where I'm the happiest. Just being in a room with people and being ready to play and just play for hours and I think that's when I realized I wanted this to be a career and not like a side thing that I do not a hobby yeah yes have any of you seen any great theater lately I know you've all been busy but Erez I'm gonna start with you I, I I have a feeling I know the answer to this but have you seen any great theater lately well, lately, the most recent great thing I saw was The Fire this time, which really was off the hook this year. It really was amazing. If, if we're going with lately, that's that's the top of the top of the charts. I can I can 10 out of 10 recommend. I can't wait to see that. Martha, what about you? That's my answer, too. <laughs> um, I actually other than things that I just saw at Frigid, uh, like The Fire this time, I I was in Connecticut and I saw a couple of great things in Connecticut and Hartford Stage was doing the radio play version of It's a Wonderful Life. I heard about that. Yeah. So they had, I've never seen a Foley artist on stage. This is the first time I've seen this as a, as a radio play. So they had the guy doing the sound effects and like opening a little door and closing it and like walking on some shoes and crunching some paper it was it was fascinating. It was fascinating. So that that was something that really really blew my mind. They also staged the Mousetrap before that. I, I was in Connecticut for work for a little bit, and what they're doing at Harvard Stage, I really really love. And I saw a couple of things in other spaces. Oh my God, I am not gonna know the title of this. Is Billy Holiday Lady Emerson? Lady Day at Emerson's Bar and Grill. Thank you. <laughs> uh, <laughs> They, I don't remember the name of the theater in Connecticut that staged it, but it was fantastic. Those actors were amazing. Jimmy, what about you? Am I also allowed to say fire this time? <laughs> uh, yes. <laughs> hopefully this will air before uh, that closes and people get to go see it. If not, you know, like Martha said, we do it every year. Yeah, I was, I was thinking about this question earlier and being like, what have I seen lately that hasn't 
like already like come and gone you know what we do at frigid is so like rapid fire like we had a show out from california for a professional conference called die lady die spelled d-i that was a shortish like hour yeah an hour long one woman musical about lady diana as apparently all musicals are right now (laughs) and it was so like it was both like very small and personal and also like very like big and you know universal of like you know it was it was very much focused into like this crazy series of events happening to this one woman and how like if you just sort of stop and are like this is happening to people and people are just everybody's just people like that's too much to deal with for like any one person like I wouldn't have I mean I would be have been uh, feeling my best either and it was just really nice to like there was a bunch of people there and everybody was really excited and sometimes just like the room like this show would have been good either way but the room just like really elevated that experience I love that well that leads me to my favorite question to ask and that is what is your favorite theater memory and I know Ares and Martha you you've you've been with me before and and you've told me this before but I what is another theater memory I guess for for the two of you but Jim yeah I'd like to know what's your favorite theater memory I think if I had to like if I had to pick something I think I would I will go with the like the first time I saw like my own work on stage. I did a playwriting class in college and had like a 45 minute one act. And where I went to school, Hampshire is very like, be free, do whatever you want. We don't have grades, we don't have majors. (laughs) So I was like, hey, can I have like a hundred bucks and use the black box? And they were like, yeah, sure, go nuts, kid. Um, (laughs) And we, you know, for a group of 17, 18, no, we would have been over 17, we were in college group of like eight, 18, 19, 20 kids were just like, okay, we're going to do a show. You know, like Dick and Jane do theater. And like, well, let's put on a show. Um, <laughs> and I, the whole time I really wasn't convinced we were going to manage to pull it off. And we did. And people like liked it and had like emotional responses to it. And it was so wild to like sit there and be like, I'm making people feel things. I'm making people feel big feelings. <laughs> this is really cool. <laughs> So yeah, I, I think I think that would be that would be for me. I'm impressed that you did an sh- entire show on hundred dollars in college. Like, <laughs> I mean, we had to that. pay for the space, and it was like set in 2008. So like, I think we bought like a wrist brace and a box of Cheerios. Like, <laughs> still, any of our college listeners are out there are probably gonna like hit you up and be like, "I need all of your secrets." <laughs> <laughs> we also were. Hampshire is involved in the five college consortium. So we did have four other colleges theater resources to like convince them to let us borrow set pieces, ah, from, which helped a lot because yes. we didn't really have our own set pieces at Hampshire because we didn't have a lot of anything. So we were like, hey, Smith, you have a hospital bed. What if we had the hospital bed for a week? Thank you. Martha, what is a favorite mem- theater memory of yours? I'm trying to remember what I told you last time so that I don't repeat it. <laughs> but that we did the cabaret. We we did the Days of the Dead cabaret, which is basically a... So it's like musical and poetry and different like artistic forms, but specifically dedicated to our loved ones who had 
passed away. And the year that we had to do it, funny enough, the year that we had to do it online, that it was 2020, that we had to do it online, we had to do it virtually. I just remember the feeling of connection, even though we were all in different rooms, we were like all joining via Zoom, like the artists were joining on StreamYard and just going on and off. I remember this feeling after after a few months of COVID and this celebration that is related to death. And I just remember this feeling of, wow, um, we're still here. We're we're struggling and we're doing this virtually, which we would have loved to, to be in a room together. But it did feel like a, a, as a community was getting together. And I really, I really love that we were able to do that. And we were able to connect with people that were outside of the city. Like some people joined from Mexico to do their little song and play the guitar. And yeah, I don't know. That just came to mind. Love that. Great connections. Two great memories so far. All right, Mr. Ares. Well, I've been sitting here trying to think about my the other one, I would say, because I already told you about the first one. So this one, I think I think it would be uh, Two Gentlemen of Lebowski. We did a production years ago. You know, The Big Lebowski, famous movie. This man created a iambic pentameter verse version of this script called Two Gentlemen of Lebowski. It was amazing. He put it up in public domain, published it online. It was like, anybody who wants to do this, go <laughs> ahead. And productions popped up all over the world. Of, of course they did. Things. Suddenly everybody announced, we're doing this, we're doing this. Quickly followed by letters from the Coen brothers to all these productions saying, don't do this. <laughs> don't do this. <laughs> Sent by a, a lawyer in Chappaqua, New York, it was a few years after the Clintons moved to Chappaqua, which is the only reason I'd heard about Chappaqua. And I was like, oh, expensive lawyer. But <laughs> it was totally parody. There was not a single word from the original script in this because this all had to be in Pantamer. So it was like all like different words. It was beautifully written. And I wrote them back saying, no, we're not. We're going to do this because we can and you can't stop us. And we're do it. <laughs> And they, after a little back and forth with me, like writing to this lawyer, <laughs> uh, they were finally like, okay, we're going to let you do this just this one time, just this run, but you have to donate $500 to Doctors Without Borders. And so we're like, okay. So we donated $500 to Doctors Without Borders in the name of the dude. Uh, and we <laughs> did this 16 performance, completely sold out production. It was sold out before it opened. And to top that off, the Coen brothers bought the rights to this play from Adam, who wrote it. <laughs> <laughs> and they almost did a production of it at some point, but that but it never happened. I but, love this story. I have to ask, though, you said there were no no words from the, the movie. But was the word dude in the word, the... Uh, the word dude was in there. Oh, okay. So, I mean, you know, the legendary <laughs> it, dude, you know, the dude was there. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's incredible, I, though. It was. It I was have great. to tell Connor about this. <laughs> it was a wonderful production. That was so much fun. It was so much fun. Oh, my gosh. Now we all want to see it. Yeah. I can't wait for Eris' book to come out with all of this. <laughs> They've been sitting on that script ever since. But Adam got paid. I was ready. 
That's amazing. He still shows up to our 4th of July parties, that playwright. Well, thank you all for those memories. Are there any other productions or projects coming on the pipeline for any of you that we might be able to plug? So much. Hit us up. Kick us off. Well, I just want to say we always have programming. So check us out. Check Fridge it out because there's always there's always something happening. But immediately, so Fire This Time is happening in our space right now. And it happens every year. And it's up for touring, you know, if you have a venue. It's <laughs> and then Frigid is starting what day? February 15th. Frigid is starting February 15th. Immediately after that, we have Esther Genius. Am I correct? Yeah. And that is starting on mid March. So Esther Genius, mid March. Immediately after, we have Queerly. We will do a little breathing room in there. <laughs> okay. So after a breathe, some. After we take a deep breath, uh, we have Queerly and Jimmy, when does that start? Mid-June. Mid-June. <laughs> we, we have a Shakespeare festival right after, and we're also doing Hamlet of the Novella. And does that close our season? I, have I said any everything on our season? I think we're doing telenovela and then the Shakespeare then the festival. Shakespeare. And, and that'll be season 26. That's currently what's scheduled in terms of festivals. We also have our monthly shows our open mic there's always like anybody looking for something fun to do on tuesday night every tuesday night for almost 15 years now we've had uh the open mic downstairs it's a terrific night uh it goes on pretty late with uh musicians comics poets storytellers it's a lot of fun uh, and then we have a lot of other monthly programming development programs development shows like uh, paper crane they, they read new work. There's uh, Funny Women of a Certain Age. With, uh, yes. No comics. Uh, a lot of, like, we just have a lot of great stuff coming in all, all the time, regular programming. And people like uh, Sid Sings, Illegally Funny, who just pops in every once in a while throughout the year to make people laugh at St. Mark's. Uh, he's going to be here this coming weekend or next, yeah, this coming weekend. Oh, yeah. We've got I Need a Hero is selling really well so that was just a cold submission that came in with you know a lot more people have video now than they used to so it makes it a lot easier to to figure out if a show is going to be good or not it allows us to take chances on things that otherwise we might not have like i need a hero which is a, a terrific show and by the time we open it'll i'm pretty sure it'll be sold out that's incredible if I can, if I can have a moment of nepotism, we have As You Will in, in the Frigid Festival this year. Uh, since we were talking about iambic pentameter, they are unscripted Shakespeare and uh, my my husband's company. And of course, I'm also very excited for the Queerly Festival since that's now my baby. So if you're out there doing doing queer theater in the New York area, uh, hit me up. I need to program that festival. <laughs> yes, and I mean we. I, I want to say all of this plethora of programming and productions, you can get all the information about it on your website at frigid.nyc. But if our listeners want to get more information about any of you or they want to reach out to you guys, you all, how can they do that? Is there, uh, are you on social media? Is there an email they can reach you at? W- what's the best way? Jimmy, why don't I start with you? If you want to get in touch with me personally, jimmy at frigid.nyc is my email. And I'm on Instagram at jimmyclovett. Martha, what about you? Same for the email. It's my name. It's uh, martha 
at at frigid.nyc. We have also, I mean, um, our our social media is at frigid New York spelled. My my personal is at Martha underscore Preve P R E V E. We would love for people to show up at the theater and meet meet whoever's there. Talk to us, you know. If you have a show up at the theater, see a show, and if you have um if you have a show, also you can write us at office. Am I right? Office at frigid.nyc. And we wanna we wanna know you. We wanna know about your show. We wanna know what people are doing. So please reach out. And Erez, is there a way that people can reach out to you? Uh, also Erez, E-R-E-Z at frigid.nyc or on Facebook, not on Twitter. Yes, on Instagram, but also come to the open mic on Tuesday night. I'm often there and love to meet new artists uh, and see what they're doing. Well, amazing. Well, Erez, Jimmy and Martha, thank you so much for joining me today and speaking with me about this amazing, amazing change up, this transition, this just this great news. Uh, It sounds like Frigid New York is an incredible hands, will continue to be incredible hands. And I can't wait to see what is next, especially for the 26th season. The 25th has already been incredible and it just keeps getting better. So thank you all for taking the time to join me today. Thank Thank you you for having us. Thank you so much. My guests today have been Erez Ziv, the current managing artistic director of Frigid New York, and Martha Lorene Preve and Jimmy Lovett, the new co-artistic directors of Frigid New York. If you have not checked out a show at Frigid New York at the Crane Theater or under St. Mark's, you need to make sure and do so. They've got two great uh, festivals, one going on now, one coming up. The Fire This Time Festival is currently running. And starting February 15th, the Frigid Fringe is coming to town. We've covered both of them. You can get information about those two as well as all their other shows at frigid.nyc. You can also reach out to all of these individuals via an email address or on Instagram. We're going to post those on the episode description as well as on our social media. But if you're looking for some great theater here in New York, make sure to check out Frigid uh, New York. There's just nothing bad there. It's all amazing. So until next time, I'm Andrew Cortez reminding you to turn off your cell phones, unwrap your candies and keep your masks on, and keep talking about the theater. In a stage whisper. Thank you. If you like what you hear, please leave a five-star review, like, and subscribe. You can also find us on Facebook and Instagram at Stage Whisper Pod. And feel free to reach out to us with your comments and personal stories at stagewhisperpod at gmail.com. Our theme song is Maniac by Jazzar. Other music on this episode provided by Jazzar and Billy Murray. You can also become a patron of our show by logging on to patreon.com slash stagewhisperpod. There you will find all the information about our backstage pass as well as our tip jar. Thank you so much for your generosity. We could not do this show without you.